0: Before we break down the NFC South uh, for their primer, just want to continue to give our thoughts to everybody that has been impacted by this coronavirus. Um, you know, we hope all your friends and family and loved ones are safe. Uh, but as well as that, just want to give a continual thanks to everybody who is out there working, supporting the communities, whether it is um, frontline workers in the medical field, like doctors, nurses and other healthcare professionals, whether it is teachers who are still out there teaching students um, you know store workers delivery drivers couriers um, and apologies if i have forgot anybody but i just want to say a continual thanks to everybody that is out there and serving the greater needs of the community Um, we hope you enjoy this nfc south breakdown and just a word of note before we do get into the nfc south uh, my colleague or co-host i should say mo has uh, sent a text of uh, apology he was very very apologetic for some of the things that he says about the Saints and how he has outlined as him being disrespectful and rude so before you do listen uh, if we do have any Saints fans out there just know that our resident Panthers fans does send his apologies and has regrets about the things that he said and does really wish the Saints the best of luck Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and children of all ages, welcome to episode 10 of the Fumble Recovery Fantasy Football Podcast. I can't believe we're quite at episode 10 already, but uh, this has been... Great breaking down all the teams and divisions. So in episode 10, we will be uh, breaking down the NFC South. And this is a real treat. We've got a solid two hours of content here, but we've got some really, really great opinions coming your way uh, with a a big Falcons fan and a Georgia Bulldogs fan in Coleco. We've got Pratik, who's a Carolina local, who's a uh, uh, a big Panthers fan there. We've got uh, Jeffries, who's a lifelong Saints fan, very knowledgeable as well, and last but not least, very, very blessed that we were able to get Carmen Vitali, who actually works for the Bucks, as a staff writer on their website, to give her breakdown on the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, um, you know, hope you enjoy this episode, but before we do get started, just want to give a shout out to regular Gonzalez for the song Chains, which is our intro music on the podcast. And particularly at this time, continue to say thanks to Natasha, newlywed wife of Chiggs, who's been very supportive in allowing Chiggs to uh, help with the podcast as he has. uh, Especially as we said, we're doing all these uh, divisional uh, breakdowns and individual teams. And lastly, I just want to say a shout out to the NFL lads who are a great community of um, American football fans in the UK. Uh, They're over 30,000 followers on Facebook plenty of great giveaways uh, as well so do find and follow them that's the NFL lads right let's get into the NFC South okay next up in the NFC South we have the uh, Atlanta Falcons and representing the Falcons we have Calico Kaliko, uh, thanks for joining how are you doing
1: uh, doing all right man hope all is well on your side of the of the pond if you will
0: yeah, just just trying to keep safe with um, everything that's happening and not make necessary journeys and just, uh, you know, look after yourself and the families. Uh, and that's everywhere in the world at the moment.
1: Yeah, pretty much like we were talking earlier, it's either going to have more babies or more divorces. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's going to you to go figure out you couldn't stand your spouse or. It brings you closer together. As long as we don't get any coronavirus babies named after the coronavirus, we should be.
0: Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> so you and Mo have to promise not to fight. Uh, Mo is a Panthers fan and you're a Falcons fan. So I'm sure there's a no love lost there.
1: <laughs> ah, You know what? To be quite honest, the Falcons and the Panthers—it's—it's it's more of a respect thing. If now, if he was a Saints fan, then yeah, we would have been all out by now.
2: Yeah, but, I, I, I agree. I think I think the massa—I uh, think we all in a current agreement that we all hate the Saints. I think in our division.
1: Yeah, pr- pretty much. Like that's the the one consensus amongst everybody. Like we try to give it to the Saints any any way we can.
0: Yeah, I've heard Mo often refer to them as the Aints, and I think you take quite great pleasure in that, don't you oh. as well?
1: Oh, of course, of course. But we, <laughs> we 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 take it back even further. We make them say, "Go put the paper bags over your head," because they at at one point they really did suck and they really did have fans in the stands with paper bags. So we just kind of make fun of them. <laughs>
0: Uh, that's funny. Uh, so, Kalika, we, we met through our love of wrestling and actually met at WrestleMania, if I remember correctly. So um, with with this year's No Audience Mania, what were your thoughts on that?
1: It, it was better than what I thought it would be because I think everyone kind of sold it low because, you know, you see how they're doing all these recordings. <laughs> before Mania, and you're like, oh, my God, this is going to be the most boring thing ever. And then you see, like, Taker and AJ looks like a whole movie. And Taker reminded me of my granddad, you know, when he would give me a whooping, and he would just talk smack the whole time (laughs) while I'm getting a whooping. Um, That's what that reminded me of. But uh, overall, it was way better than what we thought. I mean, and that's all you could do now, because that's pretty much the only thing that's really being live and new other than the news in the NFL draft, of course. But
0: Yeah, which is fast, fast approaching. And uh, trying to speak to all 32 uh, teams or fans of their teams, I should say. Uh, so, Carl uh, Kaliko, how did you become a Falcons fan? What's your story with that?
1: Now, this is going to be an awkward story because my mom and dad are Cowboy fans, which oh. are you would think that I would have just jumped in with them, right? <laughs> but I ran into this uh, player that I saw get drafted by the name of Dion Sanders. And when he was one to come to Atlanta, his bravado, the fact that he didn't want to play for no one else except Atlanta, the fact that he single-handedly was carrying that team. And for one point, he was the man in the city. I mean, he was a hero – Still is a hero in the city. And then, of course, you got my guy, Michael Vick, who is just I think most people and with the ESPN 30 for 30, Michael Vick was is still the city. Like it's it's funny how that works. Like Matt Ryan is a guy in the city and they respect him, but Michael Vick had more of a cultural impact in the city, especially when uh the booming hip-hop scene that happened in atlanta and he's in music videos with local atlanta rappers and so on so forth so it really ingratiated himself in the city unlike any other athlete
0: and that that's great to see and i I think a lot of that's now happening in baltimore with lamar jackson Uh, i think he's becoming a real sort of cult hero there uh very similar type player to uh, michael vick just very uh you can't take your eyes off him you know never oh. know what they're going to do uh, so i, I certainly uh, respect that love for uh, sanders and Vic. so um and you're also a big bulldogs fan as well aren't you
1: oh yes go dogs oh man don't 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 get it started man i heard about your <laughs> penn state i i heard about the guy with penn state and i would argue with him there's nothing like a sec game On a Saturday, especially with two rivals that hate each other, we had people like, for instance, and let's say SEC out of it, I'll take Georgia out of it, Alabama and Auburn. We actually had a guy call in a radio station, told him that they poisoned the college tree on campus just because he hated Auburn winning the title. That's how deep we kind of get into our rivalries here. It's 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 something totally different with the SEC.
0: Wow. So I I think the only way to really compare is by going to both games. So, you know, I'm sure when Jack listens back to this, he'll (laughs) love to have a debate (laughs) with you.
1: (laughs) I mean, I'm not even going to knock on Penn State. Yes, it is. It is a, a it's a it's a big deal. But there's a reason the SEC gets a lot of players drafted. There's a reason the SEC gets a lot of publicity as far as national championships rankings and some of it justifiable some of it not but it's just a, a more physical conference and that's where you see a lot of players getting like flocking over to the sec because they know they'll get the exposure and they'll definitely get drafted it's basically alabama georgia and a couple other schools
0: yeah that's uh that that is true actually the stats don't lie on that so just just uh, touching then on free agency you must be delighted then that todd Gurley is back home we could say with with the falcons
1: yes in a sense that he's a georgia alum i'm a little bit more concerned about how often how the offensive scheme fits And, and this is why i say this when they hired Dirk cutter um who was the former coach of Tampa Bay, what they did is they revamped the offense. They went from a a zone running scheme, which is what Sarkeesian and Kyle Shanahan was running. They went from that to a power blocking scheme. So it changes how offensive linemen engage in opening a hole, you know, on the hole. And what happened is they spent their first two rounds on Lindstrom and Garthy carry sorry and they both were hurt and that's another big issue because Devontae freeman was a better zone runner than a power runner and then you get replace him with Gurley, who just left the rams which was a run uh, a zone blocking scheme which is basically movements get the get the defense to move one way and you shift your your offensive of lineman another way, so now he's going to be put into this uh, this power blocking scheme, and it just depends on if the offensive of line can stay healthy. And to give you a prime example of how that is, uh, everyone's kind of down on Gurley this year, obviously, so because of the knee injury, but no one's really talking about Roger Saffold, and Roger Saffold was an ex-Rams lineman who left the Rams because of the, he couldn't get paid. But I'll give you a hint of the team he went to that actually made a difference for that player, and it happens to be the team with Ryan Tannehill as quarterback. So they he went to Tennessee. Tennessee gets Roger Saffold, and they already had a good guard in Taylor Lewan, and that makes Derrick Henry even more unstoppable because they have two really good run-blocking guards, if that makes sense. So it's it's also with the player, but it's also you have to look at the scheme and how the coaches fit in the scheme. So Gurley's going to be interesting to see if he can fit into a, a a power block scheme, but honestly, the line needs to get healthy enough for that to even come to fruition.
0: Yeah, and as as somebody who... It doesn't follow the Falcons intently, but has been seeing what's been happening. What's with all the injuries the last few seasons? It's like you've got disproportionately more than most other teams, it seems like.
1: (laughs) I I couldn't tell you. Ever since, I want to say the Super Bowl year, it's just like... SEAL Team 6 is out there just taking out our players. Uh-huh. And, and it's mainly on the defensive side that's really, really hurting because Dan Quinn, a former Seahawks defensive coordinator, his whole goal is to build a Legion of Boom 2.0. Um, so he's basically trying to build it from the secondary back. So that way the secondary can kind of cover, and that way the, the pass rush can get there. And what was happening is you got Keanu Neal, who was supposed to have been, like, their anchor of the secondary. He tore his ACL two years in a row within the first two games, which, I mean, you just feel horrible for him. Um, Desmond Trufant was hurt last year. Deion Jones was hurt last year. Um, And Deion Jones is an anchor of their their run-stopping and cap coverage options. So it kind of got a lot of players to kind of step up like DeMonte casey san diego state alum go ahead and um it the one good thing about the injuries it forces the team to depend on players to grow because the only way you could actually get better is by getting game reps you're not going to get better in practice
0: yeah so free agency was a a lot of A lot lot happened at the Falcons. I mean, there were some big, big losses like Austin Hooper who sort of showed up. But then, you know, Desmond Trufant, you mentioned. Vic Beasley's gone to the Titans. Mm -hmm. Also lost like uh, Devondre Campbell, Adrian Claiborne. Then you lost Sembrillo. So uh, a lot of outs, but then also, you know, some uh, big ins like Dante Fowler, who's a great linebacker you've uh, managed to get from uh, the Rams. And then we mentioned Todd Gurley, of course. Uh, then there's mm-hmm. a couple of lesser-known guards, like Justin McRae, for example. Justin but, McCray, yep. Yeah, so what, what are your thoughts as to, you know, pre-draft on your free agency ac- activity? Uh, and I know cap space was an issue, which is why some of those players couldn't be re-signed. But how are you feeling at the moment? What are your thoughts on what happened in free agency?
1: Um, I feel like Quinn, he's always tried to go with speed. Um, As far as his defense, he, he wants his defense to be light and fast, and he wants them to be able to fly anywhere on the whim. That's basically what he had in Seattle. Um, the problem is with them being fast on the defensive line, they kind of be light in the weight, if you know what I mean. So if you get a really, really good run scheme team that can push them around, it kind of wears the defense out as the game goes on. Um, me personally, Dante Fowler, I think is a good pickup, uh, cause they do need someone who can come and rush the passer. Cause that's one of their main Achilles heels. It was getting to the passer, which if they couldn't get to the, to the quarterback, that makes their corners look bad. You see, so it's a chain reaction. If they can't get to the, to the quarterback, the corners can only cover for so long. Uh, so it it's kind of like a, a chain reaction, if you will. And um, as far as Trufant leaving, I think that was a salary cap issue. Um, and they must really trust Isaiah Oliver to let Trufant go because Trufant, you could make the argument even when he was hurt. Uh, him, Deion Jones, and, and Grady Jarrett were the three best players on that defense, hands down. And and to let a player of that caliber go, that tells me that they're either going to go corner in this draft, or they're going to go linebacker in this draft. Uh, either, either one in the first round. But I think they're going to go really heavy on the defense this year after last year using the first two, trading up in the first round to get two guards.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting because um, for so long last year it looked like the Falcons would have a top five or top seven sort of pick and you actually ended the season quite well i think you went one and four in your last five games or one and three in the last four i just remember watching thinking oh falcons have started winning all of a sudden and then ended up what seven and nine so it's actually resulted in you being quite middle-ish in terms of the you know pick 16 as it is very similar story with my broncos as well we sort of won once drew lock came in under center and, but as a consequence uh pick became later so what, what do you think they're going to prioritize? You know, in the first few rounds, uh, it looks like you've got for all four rounds you haven't traded away anything. So I know you mentioned a uh, corner there or linebacker. What would you prefer? Um, and, and what do you think will happen for those? You know, first three, four rounds.
1: Well, it's interesting to see how they're going to go because Dan Quinn is kind of on a leash, on a hot seat, if you will, and it showed last year when. In the first half of the season where the owner was literally calling almost to kind of get him fired, because to be quite honest, uh, Dirk Cutter is the guy that Arthur Blank brought in. He brought in Dirk Cutter. And one thing is as much as Dirk Cutter is respected, he's also kind of looked at badly in the league because he's the only coach that I know this guy in head coaches positions. From literally the coach before him getting fired, it happened with Lovey Smith (laughs) at Tampa Bay, and they're we're hoping it doesn't happen in Atlanta. And the saving grace for Dan Quinn was the fact that Julio Jones, who's the most quiet guy in the league, uh, took time out to stand up for Dan Quinn. So I think that goes a long way as far as like him getting a leash to be able to draft the players that he wants, because you know how we how these regime goes they they kind of draft for the now instead of for the future especially when they're on the hot seat so it's pretty obvious we're going to need a corner um we're looking at a couple uh what was the one corner from lsu who just was torching those clemson receivers in the national championship game i want to say his name is littleton or thurston but um the one thing he likes are lanky corners he kind of likes those richard sherman tall corners that can jam in your face, stuff the receiver, keep them from running their routes. And and that's what he's going to probably base his defense on is the corners stopping the routes to try to let the defensive ends get to the quarterback. Because that's how that, that usually works in a Legion of Boom-esque defense, if you will. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if they go defense first and second round. Um, I could see a corner in the first round to replace and in the second round, uh, d linemen and up, because the offense is pretty set. It, it probably, I mean, we're pretty good on offense. It's just the defense. And I mean, to be quite honest, we need to draft health if that's available, uh, <laughs> because they definitely need to be healthy. Because they have been getting like the injury bug, unlike nobody else I've seen in the league.
0: Yeah, I concur. As I said, I I just always saw starting uh, defensive players going down uh, for the Falcons. I thought (laughs) (laughs) it can't be just one team, but it it said it was disproportionate. It seemed. Oh
1: yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. Totally.
0: Mo, any sympathy as a Panthers fan for the uh, Falcons? Injury?
2: Not really. I mean, I feel for <laughs> yeah. them, but uh, <laughs> unfortunately, I won't wish. I, w- I actually don't wish injuries upon anyone, but uh, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, No, I mean, I, the only sympathy I do have was that, that was a sad Super Bowl. That's. I don't think you guys are ever going to live that down. You still see those jokes, the scoreboard and stuff, and I I do feel bad for you guys on that.
1: Oh, don't get me started. All they had to do was run the ball when Julio <laughs> made the catch, and it just, yeah, yeah. Oh, let's not go there. But yeah. <laughs> we don't so want what to
2: do you what, you what do you think about uh, uh, them losing Dante Freeman there
1: over Curly. Um, it's it's bittersweet because Devontae Freeman, through I mean, he's a, a physical back where he he takes the punishment. Um, the punishment takes a toll. They rent to a new scheme. He didn't really adjust to the power scheme as much as I thought he would have. He has some good games here and there. Um, It sucks that he leaves. It's good for Gurley to come home, gets more tickets for the fans because he's a Georgia alum and Athens is only 70 miles away. So you can totally see the people coming from Athens to Atlanta. Uh, But I'm more worried about how he fits in the scheme as well uh, because cutter, he, him in this power blocking scheme, it works with certain backs and certain linemen. And Ty Gurley, he's worked in a power system before in Georgia, uh, but I felt like he really fitted well in a zone run scheme where he's able to use his speed and his elusiveness more so than him getting physical, and that's where I'm more... Nap to be skeptical about it if you will as a falcons fan yeah
2: no makes sense and then you do you see any um uh, wide receiver sleeper wide receivers popping up there you know you you know you, you're solid on julio and ridley um any of these other you know fantasy for found on fantasy standpoint do you see anyone else making a jump
1: two names that pop up Well, three names is going to pop up in the receiver receiving game for me um hayden hurst and, and everyone's going to go, well, he was a bust in, in, in Baltimore, but the one thing Dirk Cutter does depend on in his offensive scheme is tight ends. He, he, he yeah, loves blocking. tight ends, it, yeah. not only for blocking, but for pass catching. Um, he was big on OJ Howard and Cam and when he had him in Tampa about using two tight end systems, using the tight end as a safety vessel, if you will. Um, If the quarterback caught in a jam. So I could see Hayden Hurst making somewhat of an impact. Um, Another name is Russell Gage. Now everyone's going to say who Russell Gage now (laughs) Russell Gage with the injuries that were happening to Julio here and there and Calvin Ridley. Um, he got a lot of trust out of Matt Ryan last year, and it showed because he got more snaps. He got more play, and there were a couple plays in me. I play daily, so I picked these players so I could see how, you know, how the quarterback deals with trusting a receiver. Uh, but Russell Gage got the attention of Matt Ryan last year, and I feel like he's got a trust in him. Um, my only Drawback with it is they just signed LaQuan Treadwell, so it could be a battle for that slot receiver spot. Um, so we'll see how that goes. And I'm I think they're hoping that Russell Gage becomes a guy because he's a speedy, shifty, small receiver that they really need. Of course, Ridley's gonna get his. And he came in to his own kind of last year. His only problem is he doesn't do really well on, on road games. That are not in domes. So it's mm. it's weird how he. in It's funny because he went to Alabama. You would think outdoors. They're playing pure grass. and But it just hasn't translated yet. On the road. But at home he's pretty good. Um, those are the three that I would say stick out for. Or look out for in fantasy. But there is a rumor. That has been hanging out here. And I read it. And I had to make sure I wasn't tripping on it. So. <laughs> The rumor is that the Atlanta Falcons are looking to trade Matt Ryan for Deshaun Watson.
2: Oh yes, yes, I did see that. I would, Whoa. I would love, I, I, I would love that trade.
1: So, so, in it, in my mind, it makes sense because Deshaun Watson has yet to get paid. Matt Ryan has is already under contract and his contract is pretty team friendly um i think deshaun watson, move, that,
0: that would be the most bill o'brien <laughs> yes because
1: <yes, laughs> they, had the, per- be they had the
0: mean, perfect gm
1: to make this move yes it, it would be but it also and the only reason i say it kind of makes sense because deshaun watson is from atlanta um And this is how deep he's into Atlanta. The the minority owner, uh, Ward Dunn, he does a project uh, called uh, Homes for Humanities. One of the homes that he gave to was Deshaun Watson, his mother. So this is how deep ingrained Deshaun Watson is in Atlanta. Um, That's the only way I would see it happen because he's already a hometown kid. Um, He's on a rookie deal. You could kind of max him out. You already got Julio signed you. Ridley's under a rookie deal uh Gurley is under a five mil deal which is you know is basically just the a, a, the C approach that's the only way I can see it happening now the only way I don't see it happening is Matt Ryan has total command of this offense and he usually does well in year two of a scheme. Um, it, and it goes back into his rookie year. He always does, like, other than his rookie year, every time he had a coordinator, year one would be the trial-by-fire era, and then year two would be the step-up era as he gets uh, more comfortable into the offense. So that's the only reason I would hesitate on it. Um, plus, when you're looking at the, the schedule that they're going to have, it's not going to be as daunting as it was last year. Uh, so they might... Dan Quinn might not do that just to take a chance and keep his job, if you will, because the players love him. He's a players' coach. They play for him and it showed in the second half of the season. It's just a matter of if that happens, the people in Atlanta, there's going to be two types of people in Atlanta there's Atlanta and then Georgia. We always say this when you're in Atlanta, you're in Atlanta. When you leave Georgia, well, you leave Atlanta. Rather, you're in Georgia. So, if you're in Atlanta, all my brothers and sisters in Atlanta will be—they'll be the most pro-black football team you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> but I don't see it happening. I, I don't see it, but I kind of see it, and I kind of want it, but I don't want it. So you're kind of stuck in between this limbo. Wow,
0: that—that that would be earth-shattering from an NFL perspective if that happened it would be gosh so then the one I think the last position we need to cover then is you know we've mentioned Todd Gurley at running back he's sort of backed up by lesser known quantities in Brian Hill, Kodri Ollison, Ito Smith do you see any of them having fantasy relevant season Uh, who do you think steps up and takes the lead if Gurley does go down and finally, do you also see yourself potentially drafting a, a running back?
1: Uh, Quadre Allison is a really big back, and they usually use him for goal line situations because um, he's, he's really tall, very tall and very big for a running back, so he's more the pounding guy. Ito Smith, um, he fit it, and he had his games, and the thing is where he had his games because he's a better pass catcher than Freeman was. So that's why you saw the the trust factor there with Ito. Um, plus, he's also a shifty receiver who knows how to get out of bounds and not take punishment, unlike Freeman um, <laughs> did in his years. Not dissing Freeman. I love Freeman. Please don't kill me, Freeman. But <laughs> from, from an objective standpoint... Um, they have a lot of backs. I don't see them going back unless it's to fill out a special teams. Cause I feel like one thing Dan Quinn does when he signs a player for one year is to give them the chance to shine. And it showed when they signed Don Terry Poe, they signed Don Terry Poe to a one year deal and he was really, really good. And he ended up getting a multi-year deal with Carolina. So he's not the type of guy where he's going to sign the guy and then oh we're not gonna use you. He's gonna use you and give you your chance to shine.
0: Ah, very interesting. I'm gonna have to look into uh getting some shares of Ito and maybe Ollison there. because uh, as we've seen with Gurley, there's always a chance he could could uh could go down with injury. Not that we I, hope. I,
2: I just know Paul's uh Paul's really he's gonna be really upset after hearing this as as he traded away Hearst to Chigs for not much there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and on the flip side, Chigs would be delighted. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, Kaliko, uh, uh, just want to say a huge thanks for uh, joining and giving your you know great insights and inputs around the Falcons. Uh, I know we're coming up to nearly 30 minutes, so I do really appreciate uh, the time that you spent. And, um, you know, good luck to the Falcons in the draft and the season ahead. And, hey, we'd love to have you back on again, uh, either after the draft or during the season uh, to, you know, shoot the shit and see how things are going with the Falcons
1: oh yeah you can bring me back anytime because the one thing I noticed I play I, I went from season to daily it daily as much as season is is good from a, a holistic standpoint daily makes you pay attention to the play-by-play and and that's where you have to really get into the schemes you have to get into offensive line because it's funny in, in fantasy, we we focus on the players, but the players are only there if they're given the opportunity by the coaches and how the scheme works. So yeah, bring me back anytime and mark my words: Tampa Bay will not make the playoffs this
0: year. Oh, oh.
1: bold
2: statements there. Bold statements. Oh,
1: it's indeed. it's a fact. Bold statement.
0: Actually, before before we do let you go, what are your thoughts on the season for the Falcons? Do <laughs> you think you could make the playoffs this year? Or think the uh, Saints, Saints are just too strong there?
1: Well, the thing is, is that the Falcons always play the Saints tough. I, I feel like they have a chance at the division, depending upon how Drew Brees does. Because Drew Brees... And Tom Brady, they both are 40-year-old quarterbacks. They both don't throw the deep ball as great as they used to. And the one thing that we've seen from both of those quarterbacks is they'll start out strong, but once we get to November and December, you'll see the toll that's taken on their arm as they're throwing multiple times. And the exception for Breeze last year was because he got hurt, injured the thumb, so he got the rest to offset that. So I don't see... Uh, I see both quarterbacks doing good, but not great. Um, but the, like I said, the Falcons' their defense is going to be what dictates how how they go. Because uh, the offense has always been said it's not not even an issue with the offense. It's just a matter of can the defense and can the lines stay healthy throughout a season. Uh, to where they're not having to play from behind so much as they did last year
0: ah that's some uh some interest uh, some hot takes there on the division so uh, (laughs) i'm going to be interested to see i mean there's going to be a lot of attention with tom brady now at the Bucs on that division um but yeah it's going to be interesting viewing and uh if you're if you're a daily player then um we do run a uh me and my friends do run a uh weekly sort of just five bucks competition so if you're interested in joining that then i'll um talk to you offline about that Amen. <laughs> wow i didn't need convincing at all but no Coleco, this has been fantastic really appreciate the inputs and uh good luck to the falcons we'll speak soon uh,
1: oh yeah and no no luck to the panthers though. all right thank you <laughs> <laughs> a tank for trevor
2: <laughs>
0: cheers appreciate it Okay, next up in the NFC South is a team that's very close to the heart of one of our co-hosts, Mo. So it is the Carolina Panthers. And as well as Mo, representing the Carolina Panthers, we've got Pratik. So Pratik, how are you doing?
3: Hey, hi guys, how are you doing?
0: Very good, thanks. Very good. Thank you for joining us on this. Thank you. Thank um, you for following me. So you're a Panthers fan. Um, So how, how did you and Mo get to meet and how did your fandom for the Panthers start then?
3: So my fandom for Panthers started before I knew Mo, and I think uh, uh, me and Mo, we've been friends for, gosh, it's been more than 10 years now, Mo? We actually met in college, and he was actually a friend of my friend, who I was uh, 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 rooming with at the time, and then we just, you know, uh, became friends. Uh, but, But I actually started following Panthers during their inception year, actually, because that was a year that we moved to the States. It was in 95. Well, actually, ninety ninety two ninety three 92, 93. And then that's when the, the the team was announced as an expansion team with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I was like, oh, it's a, it's a kind of a neat little thing to see the Panthers go from, you know, being on a drawing board to the actual, you know, playing and seeing the stadium being built right in our backyard. Uh, so that's how I started following it, and around the same time was uh, was was when I was actually started to learn and watch football. So it just kind of went hand in hand, and then you just kind of stuck by them. And then you know, obviously, being a local team, you you kind of are kind of surrounded by the same type of um, same type of, uh, of fans, and you see you know uh, Panther stuff everywhere, and it's being <laughs> talked in the news and all that so it, it it wasn't so much as a choice it was more as a you know you know this is a team I grew up watching um and learning how to how, you know how the game was played uh being new in the country at the time
4: yeah
2: but, but they played fullback right back in back in no uh, so Texas? yeah
3: so, no, it was tight end. and it was it was just like a like uh, like a, 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 a intramural ROTC league that we used to play in and it was just we playing again differently it wasn't by any it wasn't like um like a high school you know that you see high school football it was an intramural league that we used to play in and we had quite a bit of people and we had a lot of fun so then it just kind of went on from then all the players that we used to play with are all panthers fans, you know locally i think we used to play um in around like i think it was a 75 mile area so we used to play with lots of different teams throughout the year um but obviously nowhere at the same caliber as you know your normal high school teams were. <laughs> yeah oh, that's so, good to know appreciate yeah,
0: the um yeah. appreciate that background so it's very strange times i suppose as a panthers fan it seems like there's a lot happening a lot of outs in particular a few ins which we'll discuss but some of some of the more notable ones i mean it seems like you know cam i mean cam has left luke keekly retired greg olsen's moved to the seahawks and then Some of your other players either were traded or left in free agency. So, like James Bradbury's one springs to mind. And then Gerald McCoy at the Cowboys. So, you know, moving to the same division. Uh, Van Rotten, who was your starting guard last year, he's gone out to the AFC East at the Giants. uh, Sorry, at the Jets. Uh, But then there were some big signings as well. There were Teddy Bridgewater, who looks like he's going to be your. Starting QB for future years, uh, yeah. Robbie Anderson to yeah. add um, some good experience to your receiving core. Yes. So, what, what's your views on sort of where the Panthers are just at this moment uh, and and your thoughts on free agency and what's happened in the last few months?
3: So, so you know, just, just to piggyback on your point, you know, this offseason was very interesting for us with the release of Newton, Olsen leaving for Seattle, still in the NFC. We'll still play them, I think, this year. Keekley retiring, like I said, Bradbury going to New York, and those were the core players. And then we also had not so we had some good players, but not so great players like like uh, Addison and Poe and McCoy go elsewhere too. So really, where do the Panthers even begin to rebuild? Uh, and and you know, this year we don't have a compensatory pick as we did last year. So I think a good start for them was maybe a few weeks ago. Uh, when we traded uh, Kyle Allen to the Redskins for the fifth round pick. I think it was a fifth round pick or a fourth round pick? I think it was a fifth, fifth round. round pick. Yep. Early yep. fifth round. And, yeah, and, and, I, and I like that move because I kind of think this year's draft is more more offense-loaded at the top. And and with our depth on the dis- defensive side is, is I think, the biggest need entering the, the draft. And uh, more specifically, depth at corner and, and defensive line Uh, It's a very real need and maybe an area of concern for the Panthers. Um, But, you know, that being said, I do like Isaiah Simmons out of Clemson. I think who's a versatile player that can play. I think he played or he has played linebacker, uh, outside linebacker, I believe, and, and a safety and a cornerback. So I think he would fit wherever they want him to fit. Uh, given the time, um, you know, putting some more uh you know, cup of a season or two, kinda give him a good uh shadow person um in terms of at the Panthers, kinda give him a, a, a mentor, I think he could develop nicely to either fill in Keekly's shoes or even Keek or Bradbury's shoes. And you know, Xavier McKinney is another guy that I think I, I think would be a good addition. But you know, um you know, NFC South is going to be tough. You know, outside of the Panthers, NFC South is going to be a monster this year. Um, and, I mean, if you think about it, we're going to play Brady twice. Uh, Tampa Bay already has a couple of good receivers, you know, Mike Evans. So that's going to be a tough matchup. Atlanta, you know, they got Gurley and Hurst. Um, and Saints, well, you know, Saints are always an issue for the Panthers when they play. Um uh, we, so, refer, we refer to them as the ants, sir. Eighth, yeah. You know, you know better. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, uh, right, so, just, I guess the base, the main thing, though, what do you think of the QB? you think uh, Teddy Bridgewater is going to be the good starter here?
3: I, I think he's going to be a good starter. I think given the choices that we had this year, I think he's probably the best option that we could get. Uh, obviously, the second best would be to keep Cam. But, you know, I'm sure he's going to play somewhere. But you see there's not uh, a, an immediate need for him with any other teams otherwise they're, you know they would be calling and he wouldn't be posting uh his workout uh stories on instagram <laughs> right so um uh, but i think the tony bridge was, was as good as and i think we got him at a pretty decent price um uh, oh, yeah 20, 21 million yeah, about the same price about the cam. same uh but but it, you also get the youth with it right and cam was constantly hurt last two years um and he's kind of proved himself, just kind of coming in. I'm talking about Bridgewater has kind of proved himself to to, to operate at a high level, although you know he did have uh, Michael Thomas there and uh, um, and yeah. and the, the running good back on. Uh, I guess Cook, yeah, Kamara, yeah, Cook, right. Camara. So that kind of you know people to kind of step up. But I mean, so do we. I think we have good receiver corps. So I think he's going to do well. Um, here, but I think, and I also think, you know, if, if we do get our defensive needs taken care of, I think we have a pretty good chance of maybe picking up another quarterback late, late in the late in the rounds. But who knows? Maybe our holdout for next year for t- Trevor Lawrence. Who knows? <laughs> 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 so, I, I've,
2: I've, I've been preaching that if, if we if we start off terribly, I think we need to just tank for Trevor. Um, yeah. I,
0: do,
2: do you have any faith in our backups with Will Greer? Or I mean, I mean, have you seen? I, I haven't seen much of PJ Walker, but. He played in yeah. the XFL there and was the MVP.
3: Yeah. I, I, you know, PJ Walker. Uh, he probably has a dazzle factor. I think. <laughs> if you, you know, Will Greer. I think we, we saw him play last year. wasn't wasn't terrible, but he wasn't good either. So, um, I I just hope it, it doesn't come down to Will Greer. <laughs> so, um, so,
2: how do you like uh, how you like uh, CMC's uh, signing though? The contract section I, we just got. You
3: know that was going to happen, but the fact that. It, for a while, it kind of concerned me because it as as far as contracts go, you never know. You know, it wasn't a slam dunk because he would have like, well, he didn't come out and say, well, you know, Carolina's where I want to be. I'm in my final contract here. This is where I want to end up playing. I mean, none of that. I mean, he's not he's, he going to go out and talk to the, the press about it, but still. And I was like, well, maybe they're hitting a snag with the negotiations and stuff. So it was kind of nice. Um uh, to have that done, and and so they can kind of you know get back to rebuilding our our uh, our depth charts, right? So that's one less issue that we would have to do. I mean, can you imagine for whatever reason they couldn't come up with an agreement? They would franchise tag him, and we have a you'd have a one unhappy running back, right? I mean, I don't think we've used our franchise tag this year. Um, uh no. I don't, yeah, so,
2: yeah, I don't think we have anyone to use it on. Yeah, obviously. I don't think we have anyone to use
3: it, right? <laughs> uh, but but if they didn't come to agreement with CMC, they would have, right? So um, he was uh, still he was still
2: under contract this year. Oh, he was year, still in um,
3: a full fourth year of his rookie contract, right? Or fifth year, right?
2: This is fourth, so we we would, fourth, fourth. still
3: had we could have still
2: used the fifth one elective. But I think we just went ahead and signed him early, which yeah. is ideal. Just yeah. kind of t- just kind of lock him up. I yeah. think wide receivers. I mean, uh, Robbie Anderson and, uh, addition was perfect just because he has a perfect. history with yeah. rule.
3: Yeah, and I mean, it's kind of more exciting to see what kind of what kind of offense these guys come up with, right? So. Um, I mean, it's it's just a wild card. I mean, we don't know what kind of players he's going to come in, and you know, people people that have played for Rule, I think they're kind of more excited having him paired up with CMC, and they're just like, you know, giddy up. You're going to have a lot of you're going to have a lot of touches, and and you're going to have offensive schemes that, um, you know, we haven't seen and, until like Pete Carroll and everybody that came in, kind of from the college ranks, coming to the NFL, just kind of something new and fresh. So oh, I'm kind I- of excited. Uh, no, I, uh, well, I agree. Play. I think
2: we've always been defensive minded. Yeah. This is the first time we're gonna be more offensive geared. Yeah,
3: yeah. And I think we're also switching back to four three defense, right? With yes. going Yeah. So. so So here's a question then.
0: Uh it sound you know, it sounds like particularly on the defensive side, you've you've got a lot of needs there. You yeah. are at the pick seven and then pick six in round two, pick five, round three. Would you would U.S. fans be interested in trading down from the seven if a team really wants to take the number one receiver, whoever they perceive that to be, say a C.D. Lamb, So, if a team really wants to move up um, and, and snag C.D. Lamb, do you think you'd be happy about the Panthers, you know, getting more draft capital and moving down?
3: It could make sense. I mean, it just depends. You know, like I said, I think, and I may be wrong by the time draft comes, but I think it's a lot of, Offense-heavy draft, offensive line draft, or sorry, offense-heavy draft at the top. So it might make sense, but it just depends on who's available, right? So I um, think,
2: yeah, I think it's. I think if 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 the if the number one corner, a Duke uh, from Ohio State's available, it's a yeah. no. I think if Simmons is available, I think it's a no. Um, Are yeah. you talking about he, Jeff Aduka,
3: right? Yeah,
2: is, is yeah, he if, 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 yeah. He's a Cuda, yeah. 'Cause yeah, if one of them two are available, I'm gonna say no. If any yeah. if the if they're off the board, then I can yeah. see that trade.
0: Yeah. And I yeah. suppose if if the Giants go O line, like our uh you know, our guest Broderick thought they will, then that means there's a very, very good chance that Simmons uh, or Kuda are available at Correct. Yeah. seven. Yeah. So yeah. whereas if the Giants take someone like Simmons, then I suppose there's more merit in <clears throat> moving down for yourselves.
3: Yeah, yeah, but you know, again, we we just don't know who's who's going to be available. I mean, it's, it's
2: just there, so so. There, there's well, there's one stat that's awesome. Marty Herney as a GM is has just his number one picks. It, it's it's been a home run. Yeah, you, you look you can look at his history. Number one picks great. Yeah. After that, eh, not yeah. very well. But yeah. uh, I think having rule, I think we have a huge advantage over any other team, especially with the coronavirus going on or you can't view all these players yeah. you know we got two head co- we got three head uh coaches well head uh, a head coach an offensive coach and a defensive coach are coming in here with the vast knowledge of how the college players operate and so not so i think they have I, I i think when it comes to this year i think they have a leg up compared to all other teams when it comes to you know finding rare gems uh you know your later picks your second third fourth i mean anything past the
0: first i would say yeah so you yeah. guys generally feel very upbeat about the hiring of Rule then as the new head coach. I
3: I I, I liked it. I mean, look, I mean, it, you know, we they've kind of it changes always good, and I think this this franchise, I think outside of you know with the new owner, I, I kind of had a feeling they were going they're go they were going to go with something bold and kind of something different um so i kind of like it i mean you know a lot of players uh, our ex-players that used to play for rule really like him our offensive coordinator all the ex-players that used to play for him they really like him so i think it's i, I i'm kind of happy with uh with something that's not you know molded already in, from the nfl ranks it's something new and exciting i think it'd be good to kind of see how it all unfolds you know into the into the next season so
0: yeah, and as a again outsider sort of looking in, I get the sense that Panthers fans are happy they've got their number one target. Doesn't look mm-hmm. like you had to settle for a number two or number three target yeah. at that head coach position.
3: Yeah, because you know, if it, and I, I'm kind of glad they kind of made the jump when they did, because because they obviously felt that he was the right right guy. Now I'm imagining that if he was gone and you settled for someone else just to kind of placeholder until the next. You know, I mean, I'm sure they would have given him like, you know, you don't want to be it, it, I, the last thing I wanted them is to be in a position that Cleveland was like with Freddie Kitchens. Like the guy couldn't was just there just to kind of manage the team for as, you know, with the Cleveland Browns. It's it, it, it didn't work out well. I mean, it's kind of, you know, I, I'm sure from a morale standpoint that the team doesn't like it. And then the fans obviously are not going to like it. So I'm glad they jumped in. And if they that they felt this was the right guy, and you know they went out all after him. I think he got a six-year contract, I believe, right?
2: Seven, seven, seven. Yeah, all yeah. oh, the, so. the best. The best thing was he had a he had a meeting with the Giants scheduled the next day. Right. And uh, they 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 didn't leave with uh they didn't leave the meeting until they signed until he signed <laughs> and he agreed to terms yeah. with us. So that's that's why I was kind of uh, taking a jab at our Giants guest. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah. So, so here's a here's a question i mean for all intents and purposes almost every mock draft will um show you know tour and herbert and burrow going by the time dolphins charges and bengals have picked but if a herbert does drop to seven and hasn't been drafted would you be happy if the uh, panthers drafted herbert at seven or do you think there's just far greater other needs out there?
3: yeah, I you know I, I don't I, I don't know. I mean, I think that you're right. I mean, there's a far better need uh, out there for us to address. I mean, think about it, you know, NFC South is going to be a pass happy d- division, right? So I'm thinking the Panthers will need probably to play a lot of nickel defenses. so I think and then we're kind of thin on that right now. so. You know, regardless of where Whitehead that we just acquired or Thompson play their middle or outside linebacker, we're going to have a pretty big need in uh, on, on, on getting a good solid secondary going, right? So our d- uh, defensive backs going. So I don't know if that would be a good – I don't think that would be a good uh, – I think they would just address what's available and then not like what they would have liked to have if if everything were great, right? <laughs> <laughs> um,
5: i uh, I agree
2: i mean i think just signing bridgewater just cleared that up for them they didn't have bridgewater i think it may have been on the table but after signing bridgewater they're like all right we we we, now we have time now we have the ability to address the other needs that we need yeah
0: okay so then looking ahead then from i mean a pre-draft of course but from a fantasy perspective um qb i think we've discussed in detail with bridgewater backed up by walker and greer um, I mean, you've got arguably the best running back in in all of football in CMC. But who who else would if, who else would you be looking to add from a depth perspective on that running back um, core that you have? I can see you've got Reggie Bonifon and Mike Davis, Marcus Murphy, who was maybe at a bit at the Bills. Is there anyone of note worth
3: adding as a stash? Would you say? I don't know. I think I think uh, I'm gonna have to put. My money on Reggie Bonifon. I think he had a glimmer of explosive plays last year, uh, but I mean, come on. We, you know, we've got to be honest. Like people can't, people people are not gonna just say, oh, you know, devote all the attention to, or they they will likely devote all the attention to to Christian McCaffrey. He's getting you know, hundred percent of the the snaps from the backfield, right? So, but I think Reggie Bonifon has has a pretty good chance. Um, and uh, he, he he's a little bit more fresher than the other guy, so I kind of like him, but I think other than that um I think our depth chart on that looks okay to me
2: yeah i I agree yeah. hey um uh for the record there Amir i got I got a Reggie Bonafhan I dynasty if you if you wanna if you want some equity in him <laughs> um, he's always up for trade. But uh, he's, I think he's 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 a secure back, guy. and maybe Scarlett might be might be there for the goal line here and there. But I think I think the style and the offense, the way they're going to create for Christian McCaffrey, I think there's only one other running back that can duplicate it, and that would be Reggie Bonifant at this point.
0: Okay, so if you drop him, Mo, just give me a nod. so I know oh, to. Oh, um, he's he's going to have man. to be traded, sir. <laughs> I'm going to need
2: some trade trade uh trade capital for him, maybe a future pick or something.
0: I think you need to keep on dreaming and then uh, outside of the three receivers we've discussed so Samuel, DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson anyone you think could show up I can see you've got Kirkwood in from the Saints who again yeah. had the odd game but nothing Farrah Cooper I really see as a return specialist as he was with the Rams but anyone of note you
3: think keep an eye on no, I think again, the same same position, same same view. I think as the running backs, I think we're good on on that side. Uh, you know, if things go south, they can always uh, bring back uh, Burson, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean, you know, all joking aside, I think we're we're fine on the on the receiver side too. I don't. Uh, I mean, you know, at, 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 we we do have a lot of talent. You know, as a receiver one, receiver two. Uh, so I think anybody that comes in after that, I think he'll just be more of a situational guy. So I think those those are, I I think those are fine right now. Um, I, I, I as think long maybe I say, Seth, stay healthy.
2: Maybe Seth Roberts might have some fantasy value. Besides him, I don't think anybody really.
4: Yeah,
0: yeah, I would have thought the same. And then I mean, it's really strange not seeing Greg Olson on your roster at tight end, but. Yeah. You know, as fans, do you think that Ian Thomas is ready to step up, or do you think there's somebody else in that tight end room that's gonna get more of the snaps?
3: I think he's ready. I think he's ready. I mean, he's kind of had, a, you know, he's kind of played under uh, Greg Olson for several years now. I think he's ready. I think he knows the offense the best. He's not as 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 uh, He's he's much bigger, I think, than Olson is. So you know, he may not be as quick and agile as Olsen was, but he does have good hands. And I mean, you know, he's you know after you saw him, you know, after the catch, he kind of runs. You, you think you're you're watching you know slow mo, but I mean, <laughs> he, he he does run. I mean, he has good hands, and that's kind of what we need on the on the tight end side, right? So as long as the catch factors there with the with the, with you know he's not dropping passes and stuff, which he hasn't, and he kind of he knows. He's not going to get open like Olsen used to, right? So, but I, I think he has he has the ability to do so, and I think the more snaps he'll get, I think the better he's going to get going forward. I'm,
2: I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna beg to disagree with him on this one. Um, I, I don't think he made the jump. I don't think he's going to make the jump, and I'm not going to tell you on this podcast who the player I think is going to step up as a tight end because he's available as a free agent in our league. So, um, uh, yeah, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, we're gonna, mums the word on that one, sir.
0: I'm assuming it's Seth the Valve,
2: but... Uh, I don't know. I mean, it could be. Uh, it could not be. You're
0: supposed to be giving insights to the listeners, Mo. not closely guarding your team. Uh, we have to, uh,
2: we're we're going to closely guard this till the season. Uh, free agency opens back up, sir. Uh, pl- I, honestly, I think we may even end up drafting a tight end or two, um, even though it's a terrible draft class for tight ends. Um, I, I think we have a major problem in that position at the moment.
0: That's interesting. Okay, well, um, Pratik, just want to say big thanks for joining and giving us your insights. Uh, you know, it's been very interesting hearing it from a, a long, long-term fan as yourself. And hey, uh, yeah, good luck with the draft, whatever happens, and good luck with the well, maybe not this season, maybe the season <laughs> after, but whatever project you're building. I'm very excited to see what you're going to do with Rule as head coach, that's for sure. Yeah, so, uh, right. Yeah, but again, you know, appreciate you, uh, appreciate you being on, and we'd love to have you on again um, post-draft or during the season uh, at some point in the future.
3: Sure, sounds good. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Nice. Keep, okay. keep pounding. Uh, keep pounding. <laughs> see you guys. Cheers. Bye.
0: okay so next up in the nfc south we have the very powerful new orleans saints representing the saints we have jeffries so jeffries how are you doing
6: i am not doing too badly all things considered obviously with times as they are um but uh, obviously looking forward to some sort of sporting action even if it is uh, <laughs> a new season but yeah the draft gives us something to look forward to at least
0: that's right. I think we're all going to be quite tired on Friday morning in the UK. But uh, as you said, it's that one glimmer of hope at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, the, uh, the NFL draft.
6: Hopefully it might carry on as normal or as normal as it can be, given everything else is cancelled, postponed, moved to next year. So we'll see. Obviously, still a danger of a curtailed season, but fingers crossed.
0: Well, at least we know the draft is going ahead as yeah. long as they can find a secure platform to... Deliver the uh, picks on and, and everything. So let's hope there's no danger to that happening because it's only a few days away.
6: Of course. I'm assuming they're doing their best to make sure. You can never guarantee with these things, obviously, but uh, there's been talk they'll be allowed, you know, obviously they'll make allowances for any technical issues. So that's the main thing because everyone just wants a, a draft to happen, really. No one's going to.
0: Yeah, so, so New Orleans Saints are a very interesting team because, as I referred to them, very high-powered team, uh, good offence and defence. And they seem like they've been in the Super Bowl window for a few seasons. But before we break down all the free agency moves, uh, Jeffries, how did you get to becoming a Saints fan? What's your story here?
6: Well, um, basically, um, as as I think with most people, there's the, the, my first thought was to, um, when you get into sort of... Um, American football, um, if you'll if excuse me, having the word American on there, you sort of get into it, you watch a few teams, but you don't really know what's going on. So, again, first thought was to draw that, as other people have done before, that straight line, what's my nearest team? Um, but then, um, for, what, for, for no particularly good reason, the sort of Premier League team I follow is Everton, despite you know growing up in Kent. Uh, so the closest team thing doesn't really work there. <laughs> um but I have been to uh New Orleans or or Norleans as I should probably pronounce it as they would over there. Um great city, um really good vibe and outlook, yeah, you know, great music, great social. So why not support the team? Basically, I've been out there, let's support the Saints.
0: Yeah, I've I've been I've been New Orleans a couple of times. It's just a very, very lively city and the stadium is fantastic, just full of atmosphere very much like a carnival type atmosphere almost as if like the Mardi Gras in the stadium so I, I absolutely loved the uh, fan base when I was in uh, New Orleans and went to watch their game so um, yeah that's as good a reason as any I suppose um, yeah so...
6: unfortunately I, I've I've not been not been to the Superdome unfortunately when I, when I did my two weeks out there I managed to uh I managed to pick the first weekend they were home. But, I'm, I, you know, you don't do your homework because it wasn't the main reason for going out there. But they had the Thursday night game that week. Um, so I thought I can watch them on the Sunday. They had the Thursday night game. So I couldn't watch that game. And then, unfortunately, I moved on to uh, um, to Florida for my second week when I was on that holiday. So, unfortunately, I've not had a, the, the option to see them there yet. But I'm hoping to do so soon. And, obviously, as you say, a trip to New Orleans is always worth it football or not so hopefully yeah yeah, in the near future
0: it's it's a city that you're gonna have fun all year round regardless of what's happening
6: (laughs) obviously I'd love to do Mardi Gras but uh, that's that's super busy but uh yeah
2: yeah I did um you you lose a couple of years off your life I I went to Mardi (laughs) Gras in New Orleans the year uh the Aints won the
0: Super Bowl so uh yeah that was uh that was a rough five days yeah (laughs) I think Mo, you mispronounced the Saints there. Just want oh, no, to clarify. Oh no, no, no! I'm, I'm, <laughs> I was, I was, uh, I was, I was clear cut there. <laughs> yeah, I think everyone by now knows you're a Panthers fan. Um, yeah. so c- clearly, a bit of a dislike going on there. <laughs> so the, the Saints, or as Mo says, the Aints, were very busy in free agency. I think they're trying to make the most of this. Window that they have left with Drew Brees to try and win, you know, him one more Super Bowl. So, uh Jeffries, what were your thoughts on the free agency moves? I just touch on some of the big ones. Um, I mean, Teddy Bridgewater was let go, but Taysom Hill has signed a first-round tender, so it looks like he is the backup now, and maybe even the incumbent. Who knows? Uh, outside of that, you brought in some veteran help in Malcolm Jenkins, who's a very capable corner and more importantly a leader if you watched any of the eagles all or nothing he was you know a real sort of leader of men there and i think that could be great for the the culture at the saints emmanuel sanders again fairly old in the position but very experienced a super bowl winner himself then there were a few other smaller moves like uh, you know re-signing andrus pete at guard uh, which was big for you and protecting drew Brees, of course um getting in, uh, you know, keeping, I should say, the likes of PJ Williams, Justin Hardy. But without going into too much detail on individuals, what were your thoughts on the free agency and how the Saints have done?
6: Um, I thought they've done um, quite well, to be fair. I mean, it's it's, it's nothing, as you say, there's nothing earth-shattering there or, you know, sort of game-changing. But they've sort of plugged, maybe not some holes, but they've definitely sort of, strengthened where they can um as you say there's a lot of maybe experience there um, which you possibly need um the sorry earning a lot there as you say the uh, the guard's good Pete because I think this is a key this season as you say is about obviously getting the Saints the super Bowl but maybe drew Brees the uh, another ring so I think that's what we're going to be looking for use him that's why I think you know like Emmanuel Sanders um a bit older. But then, you know, so is Drew Brees. His style isn't... He's not looking for the 50-yard passes down the field. He's very good at the sort of 20, 30, even like 10 yards. He'll find the little gap in the defence. So someone like Sanders should hope to exploit that. You've still got Michael Thomas who can maybe do the more athletic stuff. And if you've got someone who's clever, he can get the yards. And then, you know, you can get dramatic at the end for the touchdowns. So I think, I think that does work for the Saints. Um, as you say, Taysom Hill... Well, it's it's possible that he's got to be seeing an opportunity there. Obviously, Teddy Bridgewater's gone. Taysom Hill sort of fills in here. And then Edway he even does you know sort of bits of work in a lot of positions. But he'll definitely be eyeing that up. Um, and as I so will touch on when we come to the actual draft, I don't think there's going to be any uh, direct competition quarterback coming into the Saints. So it'll be sort of Drew Brees. But Taysom Hill, I think, will be looking to make his mark. And then hopefully next season, that could uh, that could be his chance. So all in all I think they've done well. It's a it's the thing they normally do with Sean Payton he likes to sort of get on the sort of the free agents when he can. I think he likes on the draft itself to pick um good players for the position maybe sometimes rather than positions they need. I think he looks to sort of cover what he needs to do. If he can on the free agents, and then looks to get value in the draft for possible trades and that otherwise, that's that's how he's tended to operate, and I think that's how they'll go again this year.
0: Yeah, and it's 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 intriguing in that regard. So I mean, Chigs, what do, what do you think in terms of the Saints' Super Bowl ambitions? Because the last two seasons, they, it's been quite heartbreaking. You know, they finished the number two seed, I believe, last season, and then lost to the Vikings. The year before was that very famous pass interference call on um, Nickel, Robbie Coleman, which, um, which didn't work out. So do you think with the addition in particular of Jenkins and Sanders, ignoring even what might happen in the draft, do you think they're in position to get to the Super Bowl or do you think they're still missing something when you're looking at the NFC?
4: Um, for me, I think they're right there. it has been fine margins the last few seasons. I actually had them going down to the Super Bowl um, this year, and obviously, you know, just fell short again. Signing of Sanders and Jenkins, I think, some very underrated um, moves. So I think you know, I think that will sort of set them up. They they should be amongst the favourites, and I can see them now going to the Super Bowl. With uh, I think Myles M- Sanders for me is the missing piece. They didn't have a clear cut number two opposite. Michael Thomas you know, Sanders has been there done it reliable weapon for Breeze to throw to they've got a very well balanced offense yeah uh, Alvin Kamara as well and drew Brees a phenomenal quarterback but yeah they, they've got all the tools there if everyone stays healthy then I can't you know I can't see why they can't make a run of it
0: yeah and it's in so mo I know you said on one of our previous episodes that you don't think the 49ers win out the west. But with the competition that exists in the West, do you think, and as much as it may hurt you to say this, but do you think Saints might be prime candidates for the number one seed in the West?
2: Um, I, I could, I could sorry, in the that. NFC, I, mean, I should in, say in the, in the NFC. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I could see that. However, I think if anyone can put a wrinkle to that story, there would be, uh, the Bucks with Brady. Now, um, I think you, you take a couple of divisional losses there, um, and, I mean, I think injuries have always hurt them uh, here and there as well. So, I mean, Drew Brees is out for a good while. Uh, luckily, they had Bridgewater. I don't think you are going to have the same result with um, T- Taysom Hill. But uh, I think – I will agree. They are probably the – I would say they're probably one of my favorites in the NFC to get to the Super Bowl. Uh, to get the number one seed, though, I think um, – hell, uh, I, I, oh, it's going to be tough. I think it's going to be tough. I'm, I'm thinking – I mean, this might be uh, you know when, when you when you deal with certain teams like the Cowboys and stuff that have there are easy divisions and they actually you know set the ship right. They could they could you know that that's eight you know that's that's six easy victories right there. Um, I think uh, you could just kind of have a more internal divisional even
0: uh, even two against the Eagles. You think?
2: I think so. I I don't, I don't think wow. the Eagles are there yet. Okay. I think I think the Eagles lack offensive power. Um, and i don't think the eagles are there yet i think i think that division um uh the, it, again it's i think the biggest issue there was the coach and now they got a you know they, they got a solid coach there McCarthy there i think they're one they're one of the ones that could that could kind of fight for the top 2 seeds and now this year with the new format only one team gets the bye week correct so um uh it is this year that's implemented the nfl i believe only uh this there's, there's, there's uh uh two additional wildcard card teams so only the only the number one seed gets a bye. Everyone else has to play, uh, wild cards and and a semi and then and then the NFC championship.
6: Yeah, but they they might change
2: all of it right this year because of COVID. Oh, that's true. I, I think. But yeah, I, I guess long story short, yeah, I, I think Saints probably are the favorites. Um, to probably probably get the number one seed, I do agree with you there. I think they're going to have a little bit of a competition with the Bucks though in the div- in in divisional struggle, if anything.
0: Yeah, and this is all, of course, talking pre-draft. So, you know, looking ahead to the draft, uh, Saints do have the um, their first-round pick, which is a bit of a surprise because they seem <laughs> to be quite quite trade-happy when it comes to their picks. Of course, yeah. they don't have the second, which they traded for uh, to get Eric McCoy, I believe. Yeah. But, uh, you know, outside of that, I think you've got five picks in total, so one, three, uh, four, five. Uh, and six so what do you think the biggest needs then are jeffries for the saints to really um make themselves the number one in the nfc out there
6: well that's that's the key choice i think it comes down to and this is from what Payton said i think it's there's 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 talk of a linebacker Okay, so I I think that'll be the first pick. Um they'll take. I think I'll take a line However, I think they'll also be looking for a wide receiver. Um I just think at twenty fourth their first round pick, I I, I just don't think there'll be someone they'll want to take there. But but you never know, that's the way the draft works. And you know, there's still possibly deals to be done if they can get if it comes through to them or maybe they can trade up, I think there might be a, a wide receiver in there. And then that's that's basically how they go on the on the offense. Basically, with um obviously just the just the passing game, they'll have the depth there. Um but it's, it's where they, they come through. So it's where they're gonna go. I mean obviously I assume C D Lamb's, Lamb's gone, they might get Diuk if he comes up. I think that it will be tempting. Um, i just don't see i don't see them lasting down that that long so i think i think it's a linebacker their first pick
0: Um, yeah it would be a very saints thing to do to trade away the pick 24 and next year's first to move up to get the top receiver for example they're a team that surprises on draft day like they did i think
6: there might be a slight bit of going bananas for this year i think that's (laughs) it's a possibility they might just sort of go all in as it were on this season um uh, but it just depends obviously all the talk is there won't be as many trades and deals because it's just a bit harder to do people are just be worried about it you know on the day whether you can get those switches out because obviously people like to do the trades once they know what's gone ahead there's no point trading if the person they're going to trade for has already gone so a lot of it's on the day and with it all being <laughs> Remote. I think there'll be there'll be fewer fewer trades. So it's whether they'll have the opportunity to do that, and whether you know people are, are wanting to do that themselves. So um, unfortunately, especially from a uh, sort of fantasy perspective, I think the Saints are going to have quite a a boring draft. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think there's going to be anyone coming in that <laughs> is going to is going to be a sort of keep an eye out for an, on a fantasy basis. Um, because even if they go wide right receivers, say we've still they've still got Michael Thomas, they've got they've got Sanders, um, Alvin Kamara, uh, running back. Obviously, that's not a hundred percent that he's there, but obviously you know there's, there's that slight drag. But then so they might get someone in there. You can surprise and have sudden value there. But that you know, I think unless the demands are crazy, they're going to keep him. And obviously, he'll just be the number one running back, and I don't think there's a lot of um, sort of value, fancy wise, for getting. An yeah, answer. him, him,
0: him, and Latavius Murray have a great one-two punch, and yeah, last, right. last last few seasons they've both been fantasy relevant. So, um, yes, I, I can't, don't see that
6: can't changing. See that changing. yeah. Maybe on wide receivers, you might get. Say, it depends where they pay out, but I think, unfortunately, fancy wise, I think it's a linebacker. Let's talk of Kenneth Murray being the pick. Possibly, um, but I, th- I think that's when it comes down to if there's a if there's a decent wide receiver they'll take. Otherwise, it's going to be um, a linebacker there, and I think it'll be fairly uninteresting in terms, especially in fancy terms, um, going down. I think they're going to pick up a quarterback at some stage, but mm. not early on. They'll just want one in there because. Um, they probably are losing Drew Brees so you just want that depth anyway and you never know get them in the training camp get them working you never know what might happen and you just want that coverage and obviously they can generally help out elsewhere um, you know sp- special teams is possibly somewhere where there's gaps to fill for the Saints and again that's not the most exciting when it comes to a top, <laughs> top of the draft unfortunately um, so they'll probably fill out of a- a few places there. Um, but yeah, I, it's it's difficult to get excited from a Saints perspective on what's going to happen. It's, and it's all going to happen right at the start. It's the, I think it's that, it's that first round pick is going to be that. Yeah. it, there's just not enough going on. But as you say, it'll be exciting to watch on the night just to see if they, they do any, any trades.
0: It's interesting. You mentioned QB because one name I've heard mentioned um, going to the Saints Potentially, with that first is actually Jordan Love. So, if if something like that happens, I mean, Jordan Love's very raw at the moment, but um, with it with a year under his belt, there there are scout reports coming out that he you know he could need a season to learn. But then there's a raw arm talent there that could develop into something. So it's an interesting one to watch. I'd be surprised if they use the first. To get Jordan Love and QB, considering they don't then have a second round pick, but uh, as you say, the Saints are capable of surprising more than more than anyone almost.
6: Of course, yeah, it's a definite, um, obviously possibility. In a sense, you never quite know. Um, As you say, it's you just feel this is a bit of a go for broke year, a little bit, and that smacks a little bit of maybe too much. I mean, not not that don't not there isn't any forward thinking. But I think the, the the decision and the choice is going to be, let's go this year. Because as you, as you said earlier, and as, as Sheik said, they've actually got a decent team, as is with the with the free agency. So there's there's nothing majorly disruptive to the team that was challenging last season. I think they'll be quite disappointed. And said when we went out uh, to the Vikings, it was, you know, having got where we are, it was, you thought that was a definite assault and I felt a Super Bowl was there. And then to sort of go out, Quite so well, it was a bit disappointing. I think they'll still be smarting from that, but then feeling that they can take that <laughs> and, and, and go on with the team they've got. So maybe they don't need those um, changes. But as you say, it's a definite possibility. There's been good things said of love. And I think, as you say, you've got to keep your eye out. Um, unfortunately, yeah. I, I suspect there might be, there's a danger, unfortunately, it might not go off at the top. The Saints might actually trade down in the lower rounds just to get a couple more picks um, for, you know, sort of, as I say, just to maybe pick those gaps in or people out in special teams. <sighs> that's it really. I, I, I
0: could, yeah, this is the thing. They could they could go either way. But, you know, it's not often you get to a team that's 13-3 and three and even then look fairly dominant across the season. They don't tend to have a lot of needs. I think San Francisco will be one to watch because they've now got two firsts. And one of those is the pick 13, which is fairly early. So people are looking at them as is, but, you know, with the two firsts and then the other draft capital, there could be a team that improves enough that they could take the number one down again. Uh, And then, Paul, as our sort of resident QB whisperer or QB admirer, (laughs) 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 let's say, would you draft in a startup Taysom as somebody you see as the starter or would you rather sort of leave that one for someone else no
6: i wouldn't take him he's just too un he's too unproven at the moment um yeah, yeah really I, I think he I, I think he will be good but i wouldn't take him early yeah, well which round are we talking i guess i mean yeah probably,
4: probably round three <laughs> yeah you've talked i'll take him first bit
3: 101 i'll take him um <laughs> It, I, I guess it does depend where, but no, I wouldn't. It, if it's a dynasty league, then
6: sure. If it's late enough, I'd take him, but um, but not in a um, not in a in a regular that I think.
0: Yeah, yeah uh,
2: I, I, I see more like a wide receiver five is what I see him as. Well, <laughs> but that, that's but
4: that's like, he
6: does get the receptions, but as you say, just not many.
4: If you're if you're getting him in those like those rounds where, you know, you're taking a pure gamble on stuff, you know, you'd rather take the punt on Taysom Hill than, you know, one of those sort of middling wide receivers is going to fill out depth in your team because the upside, if he does win the starting role next year and is the QB in the Saints' offense under Sean Payton, you know, his value is going to skyrocket. It could quite easily, you know, be nothing, but that's the kind of guy you want to be taking a punt on in the later rounds, surely. Yeah, he's a lottery ticket, right? Yeah. If
0: only fantasy sites gave him like a flex designation rather than QB, <laughs> yeah. you'd feel a lot better. <laughs> so just put him in any spot, even tight end. I think if, if 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 a site does that, a I'm probably looking to play on that site, and b I'm looking to draft Taysom. But agreed, until then, you wouldn't want him as your third QB. You know, for example, in the super flex, you'd be worried if that was the case. Yeah, um,
6: I don't think he'll have like the production. Yeah, just not even I would to, to
0: justify. Yeah, and if Paul says that, then it's <laughs> it pays more true. attention <laughs> Excellent. Well, Jeffries, just want to say thanks for joining and giving right. your well, insights on, like on that, the Saints. Uh, yeah, so looking you forward to seeing... the podcast. Thank you very much. And uh, you know, Saints are a team that Mo, as much as you may dislike me hearing this, is a team that I just really like uh, a lot about them. I love Drew Brees as a player. One of the reasons I actually got into the NFL was Drew Brees. Um, so I'm rooting for them. Um, I hope they take down the NFC. And, um, you know, if it's not to be Broncos, then I'd rather somebody like the Saints actually win the Super Bowl. Oh, no,
2: so. I, I agree. I, I love Drew Brees as a person. I actually was fortunate to meet him. Uh, we went to the same doctor for surgery. Um, I had ACL surgery. He had a surgery on his shoulder um, when he was transferring from, uh, well, when he got released from the Chargers. And, um uh, uh met him one time when we we're doing physical therapy there together awesome guy
4: nice that's pretty cool so you taught him everything you knew uh, yes yeah, so, yeah tell him i tell him like the motion okay <laughs> yeah, just change your
2: motion here go the go uncle rico style <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that's so why not... we got you on this podcast man <laughs> <laughs> yeah you should have kept like... his
6: number and got him on
0: <laughs> brilliant well again well, thank thanks a lot
6: well... Bowl, i'll buy you a water beer how's about that
0: well, it's on record now, so it you can't is, back it out. It is. Right.
6: Yeah. You can play it back to me.
0: Sweet. Well, uh, we'd love to have you on again uh, during the season or post-draft at some point. Yeah, and uh, good luck Good luck to the Saints.
6: Yeah, well, you can have me back on after the draft when uh, the Saints go crazy and, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. you to and trade up. And it's, and it's all completely different to what I said. So.
0: A bit like watching the Draft Day movie. Indeed. <laughs> well, take Just care, Jeffries. Thanks, Thanks again. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, man. <laughs> Yes. Thanks. So rounding up then the NFC South, we have the much discussed team over the preseason, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And representing the Buccaneers, we actually have a very special guest. Uh, we have Carmen Vitali, who's a staff writer, writes a lot of articles actually on the Buccaneers website. So really pleased you could join us. This is a honor for us to have you on the podcast uh, so first of all how are you doing Carmen in light of uh, everything that's happening
5: um I think the blanket response to that by everybody is we're hanging in there right <laughs> <laughs> hanging in there but it's sunny outside and you know I, I'm still very very busy so all things considered doing very well
0: so you must be especially busy leading up to the draft then now yeah. <sighs> Yeah, I, I did just want to mention that we've got a uh, friend Mo on, who's a Panthers fan. So you have to promise to be nice to each other.
2: Oh, I, I, we, we, I think we're in total agreement that we have, we both hate the Aints, So we yeah, exactly. become best buds
0: on that department on that topic. <laughs> Poor saints. Everyone hates the saints for some reason.
5: I'm not going to feel so bad for them. They've won the division, like, you know, seven of the last 10 years or something
0: like that. So, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, um, would you like to tell uh, listeners you know what what it is that you do uh, for the buccaneers how that came about um what your sort of responsibilities are etc
5: yeah um i actually have wanted to be a sports writer since i was about nine years old and that's when i realized that um there were things you could do for a team other than player coach uh not to say now i mean as a, as a girl now I, I could have gone after that coaching track had i known <laughs> um, but what I really get to do and what I really enjoy is uh, I get to basically bring the team to the fans and I get to provide kind of, you know, a way for them to see inside the organization in a lot of ways um, and provide just another perspective and, and some analysis. Um, I have a lot, my, my bosses and everybody are really great where I have pretty much autonomy over what I write. Um, so whatever I want to write about, I can write about and they give me the resources to do so. So a lot of it is building relationships with the players and the coaches, um, you know, and then kind of translating what I can to fans and hearing what fans have to say about the team and, and what, they, uh, what they want to hear, what they want to see, stuff like that. So my background is journalism, I went to school for it. Um, and then I went into grad school and found myself down in Tampa. <laughs> So it I, I'm originally from Chicago, which is about a thousand miles away because I realize this, this is a international podcast, which is really cool for me i want I want to say that it's really cool for me to be on something like this. Um, but Chicago and Tampa are not at all closer to each other. They're not at all the same type of you know climate and there's they're very different and uh, I'd be lying if I said Tampa was on my radar before this, but you go where the jobs are, and uh, there were worse places I could have ended up so. <laughs>
0: I was going to say and we actually met you at the London game through um, your colleague and our friend Jill who was one of the students actually originally on that uh, Quiet Sundays documentary so um, I know that's been mentioned on a couple of our episodes so Jill was part of the Penn State group of students and we met you in our pirate outfits um, at the Tottenham (laughs) Stadium in um, in in London and that was a great experience and uh, being able to keep in touch since and one thing Uh, I thought was amazing was when I was on the Buccaneers website on the news section, you've actually got your own uh, sub page there, Carmen's corner. So people can find all your work on, on the news section of the Buccaneers website, which I think is awesome.
5: Yeah, it's, they, they gave me a column um, called Carmen catches up and it's just kind of one of those things where I'm recapping stuff that we've done on the site or some stuff that from outside, you know, that doesn't really warrant a full article itself. Uh, So I have that, and then my other articles and analysis pieces are kind of mixed in everywhere with Scott Smith, who is our senior writer, so him and I go back and forth and split up all the things there are to write about, and and as, as of late, that's been a lot. So <laughs> it's very nice to have a two-person team to do this. With.
0: Yeah, I'm sorry I butchered the name. It's actually Carmen catches up, not Carmen's corner. No, but uh, maybe, maybe there's a rebranding opportunity there one day.
5: <laughs> well, our our team reporter, she's the one that's on camera. Uh, she has Casey's corner, so we oh, both have. Oh, C- okay. So we have to differentiate it. So she has Casey's corner. I have Carmen catches up. I know people get us confused also a lot. People will tell me like, "Oh, I saw you on camera," and I'm like, "No, that wasn't me. That's <laughs> okay."
3: <laughs> yeah,
0: that so, sounds amazing that you've get, you know, been able to follow fun. your dream and now, as said, a staff writer for one of the thirty-two NFL teams, which is awesome. So, um, yeah, it, I think it's no secret now that the the biggest news in all of free agency was of course and I can see you on camera you can't even contain your excitement and I've not even said the name yet but of course you brought in Tom Brady as the starting quarterback to replace the outgoing Jameis Winston so just before we talk about Tom Brady you're telling us some great things about Jameis Winston as a person would you like to just let the listeners know about how Jameis was to work with as a as a player in your capacity?
5: Honestly, I can't say enough about him. And the biggest thing through all of this is, you know, being missing Jameis and being sad to see him go isn't mutually exclusive from being excited that Tom is coming in. So it's possible to have both. It's possible to be sad that he's leaving um, or that he's left and to not see him anymore. And it's also, you know, to be excited about the greatest of all time coming to Tampa. I mean, if anything, and I think Jameis even said this at one point, like that's kind of a compliment because – the only way you were driven out of town is by the greatest quarterback of all time. And there's no shame in that, if we're being completely honest. But Jameis is a person, um, you know, he was so just wonderful and genuine and approachable. He did so many wonderful things for the community. Um, One of the things I get to do a lot, actually, is focus on our community features. Um, And so I get to go out into the community and with these guys, when they're doing all these wonderful things. And Jameis had his foundation that he founded here in Tampa and he focused a lot on education um, for underprivileged kids, underserved ki- kids in, like, kind of rougher areas, um, and would build these dream rooms, which they which were basically STEM rooms to get kids involved in STEM early. Um, so he had a very good singular focus for everything. He was always the first one to, you know, want to help out. We he, honestly, like, had trouble keeping track of all the things he did because he wouldn't even tell us. He would just go out and do something. Wow. Uh, and he, it was he was just incredible and just very genuine. Um, I told you guys the story before we got on though that you know I brought my uncle who's a pilot. Um, he was on a layover here in Tampa, and so I just brought him to the facility real quick. I was taking him around, and Jameis stopped us and he asked about my uncle. He asked, and they had a full-on conversation. He was asking about you know what it's like to fly planes and all. This, like they were just going back and forth, and that's how Jameis was with everyone he met. And you know this—he was on his way out. He had just—he had been at the, in the building since five in the morning, which is when he got there every day, Wow. Um, no matter what day it was. He was always like the first in the building. No one is ever going to work outwork James Winston, and I will take that—I will put that up against anything because he was always the first one in the building. Um, and just again, a wonderful person. So I'm going to miss him a lot, um, and I think, yeah. and I wish him all the best, and I know that he'll get picked up somewhere, but we'll see. <sighs> Yeah, we'll see
0: where yeah, it's always nice to hear these stories because you this quite often you know as fantasy players with which this podcast is you only think about fantasy implications and stuff but you know it's clearly talented but it's always nice to hear that is a good human being behind it as well okay. so no thanks for sharing yeah you know, thanks and for sharing that and top good, good. 10
5: top 12 quarterback in fantasy last year so uh, I mean...
0: yeah pretty i think top five mostly in spite yeah, okay. of the interception Dang. so you know just shows how much talent he has um especially you know with the um with that arm but um okay so Tom Brady uh what's the feeling like in Tampa people just over the moon I didn't
5: didn't imagine yeah I mean that's the best way I think that you've heard you know people say it over and over again that it's just kind of you're still in this like especially given the current climate that we're in where nothing seems real Um, I don't know that I'm even entirely convinced at this point that this has happened. (laughs) I don't know that until he gets in the building, um, and I see him in the building, am I really going to realize that this is actually happening? Um, and I just, I'm so, I think my first thought when we got him and when it was official and we knew he was coming, um was the dynamic shift that the locker room is going to see like the very first thing I thought of was about him walking into our locker room and about him being in the locker room with the rest of the players and um, one of the things I get to do as a media personnel um, we have designated media times where we can go in the locker room every week during the season so you get to be around it a little bit and you see the dynamic and you see how you know not there there really aren't even really clicks necessarily, but it's like, you know how it's set up, you know how the guys interact in there um, within reason for the most part. Um, They're definitely on their best behavior when media is in there, but just to see, you know, a guy of Tom Brady's experience and you know, how much he's won, like it just elevates everyone around him automatically. I'm like, if you see Tom Brady working on fundamentals, like what excuse do you have? He's been in the league twenty years, and he's still trying to get better. So, like that, just by example, even if he doesn't say a single word, by example, that just raises everyone's level. So, and he um, really
0: looks after himself uh, physically as well. He has a very strict reg, you know, regime and stuff. So, do you think with the two years that you've got him, that you can get two great years out of Tom Brady, or is there a slight concern it may be too late? Or, you know, what are your thoughts uh, on that?
5: You know, I know that, um, a lot of people have said he's obviously like on the decline or whatever, but I forget where I saw it. And I, it's, so I don't know the source of this, but it was something like, um, as far as his physical body, he may be 43 years old, but his physical body is more like 36, 37 or something like that because of how well he takes care of himself. Um, and which usually with athletes, it works the exact opposite. Like guys will be 25 and have the body of a 35, 40 year old because of the beating it takes. Yeah. Um, so he, and I don't know that, I think a lot of his, like last year, you know, you didn't see maybe top form Brady. Um, but I think it, a lot of it really did have to do with the fact he just had no one to throw to and he had no trust in his receivers um, you know, it was blatantly apparent that Julian Edelman was the only one that he was targeting a lot of the time and he, a yeah. lot of the time Julian Edelman was doubled because of it so you know, when you can take that away and then he doesn't have the trust around him um, you're going to see a decline in kind of anybody and then coming here I mean anybody can throw to Chris Godwin and Mike Evans if we're going to be honest so um, <laughs> as long as the line protects him um, I, I don't see I think we can get two really great years out of him
0: and the reason I've got such a big grin on my face is I own Chris Godwin in the Dynasty League, so um, I, I was, I was just thinking, Ching, you know, not only was he great last season, but if Brady loves the slot receiver that much, but uh, no, and it's funny you say that because um, we were speaking, I was speaking to a lot of friends around the time when the Patriots lost to the Titans. And I was saying, I've been watching the Patriots more than I normally do because they were going, look like, you know, struggling more than you're used to seeing them. And I would quite often see Brady hit the ball on the money, but the receiver not be where they needed to be or drop it. And a lot of inexperience. And the receivers he was working with, you know, Nikhil Harry was a first rounder, but rookie receivers do take time to develop. Mm -hmm. Philip Dorsett was arguably sort of the number one and this is no disrespect to Dorset, but he's not one of those elite receivers in the league on you know so far hasn't been uh and then as you say you know julian edelman was heavily trusted and relied upon because there literally was nobody else outside of him and then maybe james white on those screens um screen passes or end around kind of thing so i i, I certainly from what i saw i think you can, you're going to get a couple of really good years out of him um But uh, it's always hard to tell as a Broncos fan, as I am, I saw a really sharp decline in Peyton Manning in that last year. Still surprises me that one Super Bowl 50. uh, But that was all on the defense, you know, so um, we'll see. And then a couple of other big moves, I think, that get forgotten about with signing Brady was keeping Sue and Jason Pierre-Paul because... whether people realize or not bucks run defense was amongst the best in the entire nfl last season i think you were top three top four so i think in terms of keeping Uh, them well you're number one (laughs) wow well there you go yeah apologies um i I always knew you were up there didn't realize number one so i think that was quite quite key so looking ahead to the draft and I, i have read your mock draft um on on the bucks website Uh, It's quite clear uh, from your mock draft and others that it seems like tackle is the need to protect Brady and give him a bit more time. Are you convinced that's what's going to happen? And how do you think this plays out? Because you are pick 14 at the moment, and I won't spoil what's on your mock 6.0, but you can uh, outline that if you wish now.
5: Um, Yeah, I mean, the only reason I don't think that that's set in stone is because I just don't know how the the chips are going to fall come draft night. Mm-hmm. Um, being pick 14, uh, it's actually a little bit different because so since I've taken over this role, we've always had like higher picks <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I haven't had to wait. Although two years ago we did take Vita Veya and we traded back for him at number 12. So we had a higher pick and then we ended up picking him at number 12. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know that I trust that all, any of the top four, um, which is what, you know, their kind of consensus is this year is there's four, major offensive tackle prospects and they could very feasibly go before we have a chance at them mm. at 14. So most people are picking Andrew Thomas for us. Um, and not that I think that those four are necessarily interchangeable, but I do think that they have kind of different strengths, different floors, different ceilings. Um, like Kai Becton, for instance, I think he probably has the highest ceiling, but he, you know, he's from Louisville and he has, you know, he's massive. So he's got the size, but he's maybe a little bit more raw, whereas a guy like Andrew Thomas, who comes from the SEC in Georgia, you know, he's used to going against the top-tier talent, as is is Jedrick Wills um, in the SEC from Alabama. So those guys are probably a little bit more polished, um, but I don't think that their ceiling is necessarily as high. Um, Tristan Wirfs, he's a tackle, but I don't know that he projects necessarily as a tackle in the league. But he is extremely athletic, so I think you just kind of have to feel him out. But I think he, he's ideal for a team that needs either a guard or a tackle, and right now we're kind of set there. So um, we'll see. I ideally would like to go with a tackle, and I've taken a tackle in every single one of our mock drafts <laughs> uh, because somebody has fallen. Um, whether that was Scott and is biased, maybe a little bit, because we knew that we wanted one. So, you know, uh, like the picks before we were having people not take, you know, tackles where maybe they could have or should have. Um, I don't know if that played into it at all. Uh, if that doesn't happen, I'm not sure. I think that I, I said this on, um, a couple of weeks ago, and I still think it rings true that if all of those four are gone, I think you pivot completely. And I think you go to defense. events. Uh, or I, that's what I would do. Uh, I think I would go Javon Kinlaw or Derek Brown, the interior defensive lineman. Um, I know that we, you know, signed Sue, re-signed Sue in free agency. You have to him to pair with Vita, um, but Sue is you know thirty-two, thirty-three, mm-hmm. um, and he's only on a one-year deal. So, and especially with the defense that we have, um, that three-four scheme, it requires a rotation and it requires guys to come come in and out. So. You know, like you mentioned, we had the number one run defense. Well, they, they have run packages. So, you know, you have certain guys that are going to be up there. The bigger guys, you know, stuff the run on the interior. But, you know, if you're in your nickel and you want, you know, guys that are a little bit more athletic and want to, you know, rush the passer more, that's a whole different, you know, set of skills. So if you can have another guy like Javon Kinloch, who is extremely athletic and strong, um, to come in there and rotate with Vita and Sue and Will Golston Um, I think that that can only be to your benefit. Um, And you could get tremendous value for a guy like that at 14. So that would be my plan A and plan B.
0: I mean, you know, you only have to look at the 49ers last season, um, who two or three years ago were a 2-14 and team, and they got to the Super Bowl on the strength of the defense. Um, And uh, as a Broncos fan, I know defenses can win championships. Uh, It's interesting you mentioned Derek Brown there, because I think Mo, when we covered the Panthers, you said that somebody you'd like the Panthers to potentially take up pick seven if you don't trade down. So do you think you may get a bit of um, an interest in teams looking to trade up either for the tackle or the uh, D-line there? Um,
2: oh, I, 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 the number seven spot?
0: Yeah, at the number uh, seven. I, I presume. I mean, I hope so.
2: Um, I, I ideally, um, I might. I was always projecting. I would love to have Simmons or the corner Akuda fall to us. If not, I think uh, we take Derek Brown. But, um, if someone gives us an offer, I mean, I don't, I don't know if Tampa Bay would benefit to jump to seven. I mean, I guess above us only Giants would take a tackle, offensive tackle. Um, it it kind of depends on who you. I personally feel Tampa Bay should have a tackle fall to them where they're at. Um, just because of uh, uh, because of all the wide receiver needs in between, um, and the QBs that would be going early, but um, no, I mean Panthers are always. I don't. I don't think the Panthers would probably trade down. I think they're happy where they're at. I would love to see him drive down and just get draft capital because we need we have needs everywhere. Just, just pick a spot on defense; we probably need somebody. Um, so I, I would just love to have the draft draft capital. That's why I kind of mentioned that. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, I, I I mean I think for us we'll be hap- we'll love Derek Brown if if Isaiah Simmons and akuda uh, has gone at the number seven, we're taking we're taking Derek Brown most likely. I don't think he'll get past us.
0: Yeah, and we discussed when we covered the Panthers and the Jags that I think. Both, you know, pick seven, pick nine seem prime candidates for a team to maybe trade up Mm -hmm. and not having to give too much on top, maybe a third and a future third or future fourth or something to move up four or five spots. Um, you know, of course, if it's a team further below 14, they have to pay a lot more, but um. Yeah, it's interesting because I know on your mock uh, I'm sort of giving away what uh, what happened on the last mock but you know, you thought you'd trade up to the 10 from mm-hmm. the 14 so yeah. b- basically get above the Jets to make sure you get uh, I think it was Mackay Becton in that um, yeah. mock, wasn't it? So there's a lot of interesting narratives here because early on you've got the uh, three QBs in the top six that most people are um, predicting. You've then also got the teams in the market for receiver which starts from around the Jets You know, I think you would have at the Cardinals before they got DeAndre Hopkins for that ridiculous deal <laughs> <laughs> uh, I still don't know what that, that, that. that out, outrageous trade that took place but the, the Jets have many needs so they're an interesting one because they could go tackle but they could also go for best receiver on the board um, but I understand why in the mock you think you may trade up just to avoid that situation where they take a tackle and then you're left Mm -hmm. with um, somebody who may not fit the scheme. But there's a lot of interesting narratives here.
5: Yeah, I do think that, especially with the Jets, um, like this receiver class is so deep that I don't know that you start a receiver run that early or if you see the value when you could take a tackle, mm -hmm. Um, like if you're the Jets, that's another reason why I think that the trade-up It could be warranted uh, just because I think that at that position, you know, you can't you can't you're not going to get as high caliber of a tackle if you wait. So you go Mm. for the tackle then, whereas, you know, you can still end up with a primary receiver in the second, third rounds of this draft, given how deep the receiver class is, in my opinion.
0: Of course, that's not an issue for the Bucks because you have two of the best in.
5: <laughs> you're still kind of you're still got go question mark at the third position, though. So not that I don't have faith in my boy Scotty Miller. I love Scottie. Scotty
0: Miller. Yes, I
2: have him <laughs> on my dynasty.
5: <laughs> so you're hoping for yeah the he's a speedy little white receiver and Brady loves those. He's guys. another Edelman,
2: <laughs> and maybe just put him in the slot. We will got a perfect re- a replacement of Edelman right there.
5: Exactly, and the thing is about you know I know everyone keeps saying that Chris Godwin is in the slot. He was in the slot only like fifty-five percent of the time. Not only, but he was in the slot fifty-five percent of the time last year, which where I think a lot of people thought it was a lot more, um, and that he was like exclusively in the slot. Uh, the great thing about Chris is you can use him wherever. So he, if he's not in the slot, he can be on the outside, um, and Scotty can even be on the outside because he just beats everyone. He's so fast. So who knows? We'll see. Yeah,
0: he had a good he had a good season last year you know, sort of uh, hidden Injuries. under yeah. the um stats that godwin and evans put up but once uh, they
5: went down with injury he shined so
0: so one player i'm going to talk about uh who i know you wrote an article on uh was you know a college uh, winning running back in clyde edwards hilaire um very exciting player uh very good season with us at lsu uh but biggest thing is that he provides pass catching chops as well do you think that completes your backfield if you could draft somebody like an Edward Zillair to to partner with Ronald Jones?
5: Uh, yeah, and I think that that's more or less the thinking of what both Bruce and Jason Light, our general manager and our head coach, um, have even come out and said. They said that they're really focusing on the pass-catching backs at this point, um, not necessarily for in the thinking that they, they can be in every down back, but that they can at least complement what we already have. Uh, you know, the same breath, they said that they have a ton of faith in Ronald Jones and that doesn't mean that it does, it just doesn't exclude them from looking, um, for another more pass catching back. And to be fair, I mean, Rojo has come a long way in his pass catching skills. I think his uh, last year at USC, he caught 16 passes all year. Like that's just not something he was asked to do. And a lot of call drawing backs aren't unless you're in a purely pro system, um, Places like LSU are, you know, they run a very pro style offense, so you're going to get these pass catching backs coming out of there because and get, you know, get them used to that. But even Jonathan Taylor at Wisconsin, um, he was another one where his senior year, you know, he really started to focus on that and he wants to be that whole complete back. But I don't think that you necessarily need a complete back. I think you definitely do focus on one that can catch passes in a way to round out the running back room and make it kind of a running back by committee type deal for the Bucks.
0: So, so you, you, you think uh, Ronald Jones could have a, uh, another, I wouldn't say breakout, but a, an even more consistent role. And you think he is still the guy then for that team.
5: Yeah, I do. Um, I mean, he put up almost a thousand total yards last year, um, which was leaps and bounds better than obviously his first season, which I think is a forgettable one. And he'll, he'll tell you that. <laughs> Um, so you know he is extremely explosive, and you know if he breaks that first tackle, he's gone um he's very quick and he he can you know run between the tackles and he's very, very good at that. um I think that his pass blocking obviously still needs to come along a little bit further um and Bruce has said so um you know right now, dari Gale is the one that's kind of the best at that, so that's why he's the third down back, that's why he was the one that was asked to catch a lot of passes but you know he's got good hands. Dari does, but uh, that's again not something that he was entirely used to. So I think you were asking these guys to kind of do things that they weren't used to, and and you know trying to let them get acclimated to that. Whereas if you bring in a guy that's purely the pass catching back, you can let these guys focus on what they're good at. Um, and I think that that would be.
0: So do you think? Uh, do you think uh, Edward Zelaya is somebody you may need to trade up for, um, if if he's the guy in mind, or are there other competent backs so you think you could get in the middle of the second or or even wait till the third that could still fit the system and fit the need
5: i don't think that you're going to get i think that deandre swift and like jonathan taylor will definitely be the first two running backs off the board and if that's the case (laughs) i do think that they won't go till later in the first round the the first one so i think that you're actually pretty safe with edwards Lair um at the position you're at in the second round um or you know moving up just a couple of spots, that's not going to cost very much. Um, I would be okay with that, especially given that we had a compensatory fourth-round pick. As it is, we have two fourth-round picks, so you throw one of those in there, you move up a few spots, and then you grab him. Um, Or, you know, I think there's probably three or four running backs there, including Swift, Taylor, there's Clyde O'Garrett-Solaire, and J.K. Dobbins, even, um, that you could get. But I don't think that you want to wait much past the second round I don't I don't know about the third round I know there's cam Akers from Florida State and given that he's a homegrown guy a lot of people love him uh, he looks great at the combine I'll give him that I haven't watched a ton of tape on him um yeah. but you know I think that Clyde Edwards helaire is definitely a very attainable prospect for where we're currently positioned
0: it's interesting because we've had a, a couple of fans of other teams saying that they'd like him so there's obviously a lot to like about what you see on tape especially he's
5: climbing up draft boards right now is, at least indeed. media draft boards wise
0: and then uh i think there's a lot of players uh, like us you play dynasty where you draft a player and have them forever so is oj howard finally going to get targeted what's going <laughs> on there with oj Howard?
5: <laughs> i know everyone wants you know and honestly he's got all of the physical capabilities man is a physical freak um you see him in person and he's like you're just like how do you exist because you're just like he's so fast and he's, he's still got all that agility and he's huge um so i know everyone wants us to be there and i want it to be this year for him too um so we'll see i know there's been some other rumors circulating about you know if he's gonna actually be on our team <laughs> for next year and i guess yeah. you know that could be smoke screens. that could be what have you, um, you do have a reliable red zone target in Cambray right now, um, but I do know that obviously Brady likes to use his tight ends and OJ Howard seems like a pretty Gronk like player, <laughs> so it seems like the match would be there Indeed. Um, and again, OJ is a great guy, so I don't want him to go anywhere
0: It's good to know, um, I do own him in a couple of places, so I keep hoping it's the breakout Yeah. keep hoping it's that breakout Yeah. <laughs> Uh, So uh, can't let you go without giving us a few potential sleeper players who might have a breakout season you think on the existing uh, crop. Do you think there's anyone who could you know we may not have heard of who may have some relevance this year?
5: Um, The first person that comes to mind is Dakota Dixon because we got him as an undrafted free agent last year and then he had a An amazing camp. Uh, Bruce even came out and said, you know, he was going to be our starting safety, strong safety, uh, and then went down with a shoulder injury, a shoulder injury that had been lingering um, for that matter. So he got it fixed. He sacrificed the season as a result. But, um, you know, being out of one of the things also that I get to do is I get to go to practice every day. And um, seeing these guys, seeing Dakota, he was over Todd Bowles' shoulder, who was our defensive coordinator. He was over Todd Bowles' shoulder all day, every day, uh, learning the ins and outs of this defense. So he knows it like the back of his hand, and now he's fully cleared and um, can put that, you know, to, to work and translate that to the field, all of his knowledge. So, I don't know that I know for fantasy purposes, defense, the defensive safety is not, you know, super sexy. Well, it's um,
0: interesting you say that because um, all three of, in fact, Tiggs has joined us as well. But we're starting a new league where you draft individual defensive players. So, that's good knowledge. It's just unfortunately knowledge that you've also shared with two of my competitors <laughs> in the same league. So, um... <laughs> well, you,
5: asked, you asked among friends. So, I did.
3: <laughs>
5: <laughs> um, okay the safety position is going to be an interesting one for us just because um, also we're going to see if Justin Evans can come back. He's been battling injury too. Um, so that safety rotation could look very different this season. Um, and, you know, I'm really looking forward to seeing also what Devin and uh, Levante can do in their second year together. So I'm a defensive girl. So I probably should have prefaced all of this with that. Like <laughs> I love I grew up in Chicago. We didn't really have much of an offense to talk about. So it was always defense, and I was the biggest Lance Briggs, Brian Urlacher fan ever. Um, I loved both of them; still love both of them, and always thought that if I played, I would have been a middle linebacker. So <laughs>
2: <laughs> awesome!
0: <laughs> Very good. So um, let's hear it then. With with bringing on Brady, you think you're uh, making the playoffs or better? I am. gonna I am just going to add our friend who represented the Falcons couldn't uh, help but have a dig and say he doesn't think the Bucks are making the playoffs so would you like to set him right here
5: uh that's really funny coming from a fact I mean we were what <laughs> finished with last year uh so our kicker missed three field goals against you guys in the last game and that's why we lost um anyway no I I think it has to be playoffs this year like it, this is clearly an all-in type thing you know you get you get the dude at quarterback you know you see if he can change and have his Brady effect um on the locker room and you know that's the kind of intangible stuff that makes winners so uh, yeah I'm I I fully expect playoffs fully I don't know I um, can win like, the you know, division
0: because the Saints what? have do you think you can win the division the saints have strengthened you know they got in some good veteran help there with Jenkins and Sanders in particular uh, and they had a very strong season last year so do you think you got enough now to overtake them
5: it's gonna be really interesting and I'm actually glad that Brady is number two behind Drew Brees for the all-time passing yards because I think he's gonna take full advantage of being able to go to head-to-head with Brees Like, that's kind of – not that's gotten swept under the rug because people have talked about that before. But, like, being the competitor that Brady is, I mean, like, he has an opportunity to go head-to-head with the guy that's ahead of him, like, twice a year. So – and, like, being in the same division and, like, directly impact, like, their stat line. And, like, I'm just like, this is amazing. Like, he's going to go full throttle against Brees. So, if we can – and and I know it obviously doesn't ideally work like this, but if honestly we can beat the Saints both times, I think <laughs> that you can pick the division.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm so looking forward to that To you know, to just yeah. veterans, surefire Hall of Famers going up against each other.
5: I apologize twice. in advance for the time slot that that's probably going to get. So it's probably going to be, <laughs> be like late here. For, so for you guys, that's going to be...
0: <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. ...we hours we're looking forward to that. Absolutely. Um, so, just uh, before we let you go, is, uh, do you want to just give the listeners uh, a plug as to where they can find your work um, uh, on the Bucks website or even your social media or anything?
5: Yeah, I mean, the Bucks website is where all my stuff lives. Um, I live on social media <laughs> all the time. All the time. Uh, so, you can get in touch with me at V. That's C A R M I E V. Uh, on Twitter and on Instagram. So that's I do Q and A's on my Instagram a lot. Um, you can always tweet at me on on Twitter. Uh, I'll, I'll at least respond with a GIF most of the time. So are <laughs> <laughs> so my preferred form of communication. Um, but I do put a lot of my articles and stuff on Twitter too. So that's
0: cool. Sweet. Thanks very much. Well, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, this was a, an honor for us, and we'd love to have you on again uh, at some point. You know, either post draft or during the season um so good luck to the bucks in the draft and good luck uh, for the season as as well um uh, good luck in trying to uh take over the saints in that division
5: thank you so much for having <laughs> me guys this was so much fun
0: thank you very much we'll speak to you soon thank all you. right take care now bye Bye-bye.